It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 Podcast today on this February 24th. 2021 on the show today, Robbie Triano of SiriusXM, my friend and colleague. We break down the last two days of Big 12 hoops. You guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. Locked on Big 12 podcast today. Josh Neighbors here joining me. Somebody I probably should have had on uh, a while ago is my friend and colleague, Robbie Triano, who is the main producer of Big 12 today, amongst other things. At Sirius XM. Nobody has a pulse uh, of the conference like Robbie does. And here's the thing, Robbie. Today's you know, days like today are awesome for you because your job's a bit easier when you have four games that are all within 10 points Absolutely. like we did last night. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to die early in life, like lose a couple years of my life because there's just some nights in the Big 12 where every single game is like my eyes are pointing in different directions. So it was just another unbelievable night in the conference. And I'm sad that the regular season is coming to a close soon, but I'm excited that in March we have so many teams that we can keep our eye on. Well, it's, it's frustrating for me because I think, and I think a lot of fans do at this point, you want to start being able to say like that, you know, declaratively about certain teams and let's go back to Monday night really quickly. Cause I, we haven't recapped that game yet. Like just do them all together here. But, you know, I want to say about Texas Tech, look, they've got a guard who can score and we know he can go off in March. And we've got it. They've got an awesome coach. And then in theory, they have a defense that should be able to shut teams down. And it's a coach who's had a defense that shut teams down all the way to a championship game a couple of years ago. Not feeling like that with Texas Tech right now. Um, and on the other side, Oklahoma State, you know, they get this overtime win. I felt like I don't know if they can make it out of the first weekend. Um, and I felt on the no side, but games like that make me think maybe they could. Yeah, Texas Tech is a team that really confuses me because when I look at them, they have these, they have Mac McClung, like this player I feel like in March, if he just has one of those historic days, they're going to get a win or two there. But when it comes to the rest of their roster, some role players I like, Kevin McCuller, he's good. But Marcos Santos Silva, he's a good like big man to get rebounds. But besides them, they're a team that I feel like if they just have one person not step up, their whole team can crumble. And that was just very evident in that game against Oklahoma State. And, I mean, this whole year I've been saying Oklahoma State has not had the depth. That was not true in that game. Because Cade Cunningham, if he makes some big shots, which he has shown he's able to do, and his team just contributes above like a normal level, that's a team that I could see making – Maybe the Sweet 16, I'm not sure, but Cade Cunningham can carry this team, um, and they have some good depth. But, yeah, Texas Tech is a team that they have well coached by Chris Beard, but I really think it really relies on the role players and not Mac McClung. And, man, I, just watching Cade Cunningham, he makes some shots, but he also makes some really, really careless turnovers. But, man, right. you can, like, see the potential that he has when it comes to being a scorer and distributor because he's – He's something else. Yeah, and I think that's what worries me is I don't like, you know, you don't want to put your faith in a team who's best player at, like, it's, it's six, six, five to six turnovers every game, right? right? Because you're giving away that many possessions, especially in March, 
you think that the other teams are going to be playing are going to capitalize on those. And that's what concerns me the most. And I think Mike Boyden is pretty aware of that. I don't think that's lost on him. And mm-hmm. I think that's why we, especially that Texas game a couple weeks ago, there's a reason why Cade was on the bench for part of this backstretch. It's because mm-hmm. like, you know, as, as talented as he is, there are some stretches where that's just going to kill you. And I, I, and I have, you know, he's unbelievable talent. Like he's probably one player of the year in the conference and whether he should or not, it's a different conversation, but he should be the number one pick in my opinion. Mobley's awesome. Suggs has been really good, but I think it's Cade Cunningham. Yeah. It's going just, back to, it's hard. Yeah, going back to that game, there was a period, I think of like 15 or 10 minutes left that Cade Cunningham had four fouls. So one more and he's out of the game. Right. And you could see like his team, the rest of the team were like, Oh, we can finally like show, like to the entire country that like we are actually like not just Cade's wingmen. And I think that was, that was the most pivotal part of the whole game because they just stepped up and you could, without that stretch of time of like Cade out, I don't think Oklahoma state would have won. So there's times where I feel like Cade Cunningham is kind of, it reminds me of Trey Young in Oklahoma. Like Mm. you, you have to give him the ball and you have to give him the attention because he's that good of a talent. But sometimes I take it takes away from the team in some aspect because when he wasn't on the floor, they came back. And I'm not saying because he was on the floor, like right. off the floor, they 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 won the game. But it, it was just a, a nice moment to realize, okay, Oklahoma State actually has a team here that's not Cade Cunningham. And um, I mean, yeah, eight and six in the conference, fifteen and mm-hmm. six overall. I I mean this, this is not where I thought they'd be. I thought I, I, I thought I knew Cade was good. I didn't know he was going to elevate them to a team where, you know, he can beat Chris Beards and he can beat Kansas. Like that's, that's very impressive for Mike Boynton in that group. Yeah. And then one thing uh, finally on Texas tech, you get swept by West Virginia and you get swept by Kansas. Those two things worry me because those two teams play completely different styles and you lost all four of those games. So they lost shootouts and they lost close scraps. And I, you know, it's that kind of makes you worried because if those two, if those teams can beat you in the different kinds of ways, you know, what is what is a great Texas Tech performance look like? Right. That's kind of the question is, what is what is them at their best look like? They're a team I trust. Like when we think about March and I think about different scenarios, let's say there's five minutes left and it's a very close game. I trust Texas Tech because they do have Mac McClung, which I think has that kind of killer instinct. Mm -hmm. But overall in Texas Tech as a whole, I mean, I commend Chris Beard for the job he does because every year he has new new pieces he takes in and he has to instantly make a mesh. Like Jemias Ramsey was gone. Jarrett Culver's gone. Some of these players just go for the draft and then he's just picking up people. And then this COVID year is able to make somewhat of a, like a, a cohesive product. I think, I think this year, I'm not saying it caught up to Texas Tech, but I just think like they aren't going to be the level we saw them like the Final Four National Championship type of team. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I I commend Mac McClung. He came in and definitely looks better than he did at Georgetown. Uh, so I think Chris Beer's done a good job dealing with what exactly he's done, which is taking all these pieces and trying to make it work. Quick pause for the cause here on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting Best for you protein bar out there right now. They've got 18 awesome flavors. Go check them out at builtbar.com. There really is something for everybody there. They've got their 12 original flavors, six with nut, six without nut, all of them covered in chocolate right now. If you guys go to builtbar.com, 
Use that promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N Locked On. You'll receive 20% off on your next order if you use that promo code once again Locked On. You also have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Once again, BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On for 20% off on your next purchase. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Also, make sure you go check out the new podcast, Locked On Today, from Peter Bukowski. Awesome stuff there. You guys know the deal. 20 minutes every single day gets you set for all the sports news you need to know from yesterday and for the upcoming day. Once again, Locked On Today, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever you guys get your podcast. All right, back to my conversation with Robbie Triano. Yeah, let's move on to, to, to last night. Um, the bottom of the conference was was about to be an open revolt against the top two teams. Uh, in one case, uh, Kansas State did beat Oklahoma. We'll get to that in a second. But Baylor was back in action for the first time last night and, and since, what was it, February, first week of February. I mean, I forget what day it was. Yeah, exactly. February 2nd against right. Texas, which they, they blew out Texas. They, yeah, that was, and then Texas made a comeback, and they they cut that off. And, and second half Baylor is unbelievable. But last night, you know, easiest bet of the year was Iowa State plus 23 and a half. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what we were doing with that line. I didn't really understand it. And – Iowa State's played some of the better teams in the conference close. You know, they played Oklahoma uh, relatively close twice. They played West Virginia close twice. And last night, they they came prepared, I thought. They were ready for Baylor. They, they didn't know what they would, ex- you know, what to expect, but they jumped on them early, which was the right thing to do. And then I think we saw the quality of Baylor kind of shine through. I know Iowa State's not a good team, but Baylor was working through a lot last night. And you could see the light kind of came on late in that first half and they ended up winning 77-72. Yeah, that was a game early in the first half. You're like, you could sense that this team has not played in for a while. Mm-hmm. They're just Their offense was just nothing. It was just, all right, let's give someone to the perimeter. They'll make a move. They'll try and pass. It was, there was no flow to it. And then on Iowa State side, they were like shooting the hell out of the ball. Like 47% like from 3, 10 from 21. Like that is unbelievable. Like Iowa State has good points players so I feel like it took Baylor to get punched in the mouth a couple Mm -hmm. times for them to realize all right like we just need to know we're better than them and I I think the key moment that game Mark Vidal just had this unbelievable block and then then you kind of realize the crowd gets into it because I feel like the whole time the crowd was like oh what's this Baylor team gonna look like are they are they really gonna struggle and that was the moment where Mark Vidal was like hey like we're the best we're the second team in the country like we need to smack them up and then the second half it just shows like what Baylor can do. Adam Flagger just right. He's just a shooting machine. And then you finally realize like, okay, this was a tough game for them, but they they got some confidence to be like, we're, we're going to be fine. Like, and the on the scoreboard, you face a team that's zero fourteen in the conference, and you win by five points. And a normal day, you'd be like, what's happening with Baylor? But right. due to the circumstances, this was like a good. All right, we're going to be fine type of game. Yeah, and they were, and that's that's what the, the best teams do. Uh, on a night like this, right, you have somebody come off the bench and give you 22 points. On a night like this, you know, you have a Mark Vidal, like you mentioned, three points, but he had 15 rebounds, two steals, and three blocks. 
And so just doing every fighting, scrapping, clawing, doing everything possible to win the game. And you did and on a night where you shot 44% from the field, you shot 37% from three and they shot 71% of the line. That's, you know, it's pretty good, but that wasn't the well-rounded performance that we knew. And I think Scott Drew knew this was coming. Um, yeah. What it means moving forward. Look, you, you know, you and I were on the, uh, you were on air yesterday with, with Holly and Gabe uh, on, on big 12 today. And, you know, when, when the schedule release came out, we talked to Mike Boyden, not thrilled. You can tell pretty obviously no. with the schedule, no. Baylor's going to have to work through some things here and, and they're not going to get good, you know, um, not going to get good matchups to, to do it. I fully expect them to lose a game or two. And I think that's totally fine. Just rediscover that form. Because if you look at a team like Texas, they still haven't fully rediscovered their pre COVID break form. And I think if Baylor kind of looks at that and says, okay, we don't want to be that let's just work through what we need to work through and just kind of everybody rediscover where we were in the beginning of the season. Yeah. I, yesterday when the, the big 12 released their new schedule for next week, and if you haven't go check that online, yeah. I, at first I was like, this sucks for Baylor. Like they have <laughs> so many games, like they're going to get tired for the tournament. And then like yesterday watching Iowa state, it's like, I actually think this is good for Baylor because they're going to have, an opportunity to kind of get revved up again and kind of like thrown into the fire right. type of atmosphere because yesterday first half, Oh my gosh, that was like just hard to watch. And then Iowa state is just punching them in the mouth. And I, I think the more games Baylor will get before the tournament, the better, obviously like if they get an injury that will, that will, will be like, why did they play these games? I, I guarantee someone will make that take. Yes. But, and, and until then, I feel like they just need to get their legs under them and get back into it. And yesterday proved they can still win it. They're still like, they're still the talent, even without the preparation, they can still go out there and beat their ass. So I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to go undefeated, but I, I do think this will be a very good tune up for them heading into March. I think losing two will take some of the shine off of them. And I think it'll be, you know, it'll be nice because people are going to ask, Oh, is Michigan better than Baylor? Right. And, yeah. and we'll get to have that kind of conversation. And, and I think for a team full of guys like, you know, Davion Mitchell, Mark Vidal, Jared Butler, they're going to hear that. And not necessarily, you know, will that be right. something that, you know, that, that they really take account for? It's something that's, that's going to motivate them. Um, one note is we did not see JTT last night. And I don't, I'm not sure if they mentioned what his status is. Do you know anything about that? I, I didn't hear exactly anything on it. I'm not sure. I'm either going to guess he had COVID or contact tracing. Uh, so he's out for that matter, but that's a big, that's a yeah, big number huge. for their depth when it comes to March, because I watched the Michigan Ohio state game. When I look at Michigan, I'm a Michigan state fan. So I hate Michigan. But when I look <laughs> at them, I look at Hunter Dickinson and I'm like, who in March can stop this guy. And if you look at Baylor, they don't really have the size to stop him. I mean, Mark vital, I would, I would think he has the confidence to go up one-on-one against right. him. When it comes to size, like 7-1 to 6-4, that's not, that's not fair. So JTT is like I would see someone who would fit in and try and guard him besides Flo Thamba. So I, that, that's a huge person they need to get back. But, uh, um, I mean, <laughs> they were just running this eight-man rotation right now. Yeah. They're running on. One more quick break here on today's show. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. You guys know the deal. Football season might be over. But the action never stops at betonline.ag. It's the only place that we trust. It's the only place that has you covered wall-to-wall with sports action. 
Go where, go there right now, betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on for a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit 100, they give you an extra 50 to play with. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. Go to betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on. You'll receive that 50% deposit bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. And he's he's interesting because he's so athletic that he's one of those guys who can actually play bigger than he is, right? And right. that especially matters when you're guarding somebody who's taller, is that you can guard taller. You know, that's that's even – I mean, EJ Liddell was not able to do it this weekend, and that's not necessarily his skill set. I think I think that is something that JTT is well-prepared to do. Um, let's talk about – I mean, this was an awful basketball game last night. Kansas State 62, Oklahoma 57. This was a disaster. Now, what's interesting is we had, uh, you know, you, you did a great job as you do always on Big 12 today. You booked Bruce Weber for last week. And I know it's sometimes difficult to talk to a coach in the middle of a season where things aren't going very well. And I thought what Bruce Weber said about, he's like, I just want to win so badly for the kids. You know, he's like, I just want these kids. Cause, cause, and, and, and when somebody says that, that means that, it, that he knows the team has not quit on him. That, that you know the team is still fighting like in practice like they're working hard they're not giving up on him they've been rewarded because now they they now have back-to-back wins they almost beat Texas um you know just a, it was a week and a half two weeks ago and now they've knocked off TCU and they've they just beat a top 10 team in Oklahoma uh and you know I saw it's the first team since the 90s that has lost to a division two school and then beaten a top 10 team in the season right. so I mean, this is awesome for them and not saying Kansas state's dangerous, but they deserve people's like, I guess, respect and attention now. Right. I mean, they, they, they're kind of earning it. Yeah. People forget like two years ago, they won the big 12, like right. <laughs> they, they right. oh, big 12 or whatever champions. So, I mean, for a team like Kansas state, they should be good. Uh, they have the history of it. And I think Bruce Weber is a good coach. He used to coach uh, team USA, like the number, like under 19 team. Uh, and when I look at them, that is a team that if they, if COVID wasn't a factor, I feel like we'd be seeing them uh, make a real impact on this conference. Right. TCU, they were, I mean, they're just so freaking young. Uh, they have all these young players, but then you have Mike McGurl as a senior who is like being the, he's leading the charge and he's making these incredible shots. And he basically went on fire to take down Oklahoma. And it's just, it's just a really, really good story because when it comes to the end of the year, I feel like, us as people who are not in the scenes look at that team or look at teams that are losing and like, Oh, they should just pack it in and the season. What do they have to play for? And they just keep on going and you can see the excitement. And I just think it's just a really good story in a conference where they have just been beaten up by awesome teams this year for them to fight back and be like, no, we are laying the foundation for our future. That's props to Kansas state and for Oklahoma. I'm not too worried about them. I just think, I think they're cursed against Kansas State. Obviously, Lon Kruger, I believe, used to play there. 
So it's mm-hmm. just I I think they are just absolutely cursed against those teams. But Austin Reeves, good performance. I think he's a top three Big Twelve player of the year. He's been exceptional. But I I'm not I'm not this game does not worry me about Oklahoma. I just think it's one of those those games where they probably didn't get as prepared for it. I, I'm not worried about them. Yeah, and and Lon has done such a good. I mean, I'm actually somebody who's been pretty critical of Lon Kruger, but for the, I mean, this year he's been exceptional. It's the way he's, he's good at attacking mismatches, and um, you know, we know he loves kind of you know, that part of the game is that finding mismatch, trying to exploit it, going to attack that. And, and last night, look, it was a really just crappy basketball game all all the way around. Um, and the game was played in a phone booth, and Kansas State ended up getting that win yeah. on a night where Nigel Pock was horrible. Um, and like you said, Mike McGurl, kind of that senior leadership. And they're one of those teams, I think it's – I forget what the stats were, but they start a bunch of guys who are for either freshmen or sophomores, right? And Mike McGurl's the only guy. And he's not really – he shouldn't be a – you know, he shouldn't be your best player, right? Mike, that's not Mike McGurl, right. kind of what he is. So for them to kind of figure things out late in the season, look, I can guarantee this, the best 7-18 and 18 team in the country – uh, nobody, you know, who, I <laughs> uh, also, I would say the big 12 tournament, that's probably not a team that you want, you know, in to draw because the game, they don't, the games they play are not pretty normally, right? A lot of, a lot of Kansas state games yeah. are not these offensive masterpieces. Uh, they know they can't, they can't compete in the game. That's normally in the eighties. So they try to muddy the waters, play good defense. And they did last night. And I think that's something that teams have to be concerned about. And also Bruce Weber made the point that, they wanted to see the season through, right? Like they, they want, and I think he, when he meant that he's talking about the actual big 12 tournament, like that is because that's a place where his team could potentially get a win and you feel really good about yourself heading into the off season. And I, I think being a coach for so long, he understands the importance of getting through the season and showing the kids and being afterwards, like, look what you guys accomplished. Like you're the youngest team in the country. Like you mentioned, COVID hit them harder than anybody else because of their practice schedule and stuff and how young they were. And if they have, they now have some stuff to show for it and they have results to show for their season and all those guys basically are going to come back. And that's one of those teams where it's like, you know, you put a little seasoning on them. They're going to be a completely different team as they move forward. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting in this conference right now, because as everything's starting to get heightened, you know, we're feeling that March is right here. We're feeling the big 12 tournament coming on. We're really seeing what teams can really do. And I feel like they had enough time to, get in true basketball condition. You know, I, I feel like now we're getting a real true glimpse of what the conference is. Mm-hmm. And when I look at these teams, there's some that I think are falling, but I think most of these teams are really, really rising. Like some of these teams are really showing what they can do. And uh, shout out Kansas State and even Iowa State. They, right. they're, they're fighting their ass off. And I think when it comes to, I can't believe we're even having a big 12 tournament. I, my brain has not wrapped around that because every time <laughs> on sports media, someone's like, why are we doing conference tournaments? Why are we, we're actually going to have this conference tournament. And you're completely right. I would not want to play Kansas state. They're a feisty little team that wants something to prove. So yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to them for that. Um, we'll get to West Virginia and TCU last. Cause that was, I mean, we're, we're just now getting to Kansas and Texas, which is crazy. It just shows you how busy the last two days have been. Right. But um this was a huge game for Texas. And, you know, we, we talked about yesterday on the, on the show, you know, about what did that fight on the sideline between Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones, what does that mean? What, what does it mean moving forward? Because the answer Shaka Smart gave after that game was not a positive one. He's just like, we can't have it. 
And there was no like, there was no, it's, it's been resolved. It was, it just can't happen. So, and everybody was saying this. I mean, I worked on Sunday with Tom Brennan, Brennan used to coach Vermont. And he said, look, those two guys, we lock them in the office with me and we don't leave until they figured out whatever their problem is. And so there's that school of thought or the school of thought, which we heard yesterday, some on the show, uh, Gabe mentioned, it, you know, it's, this stuff happens, right? Like these, you know, maybe it's healthy for these guys to not work it out with their fists, but, you know, work it out together. What's your kind of view on, on that and, and, you know, team dynamics, I guess you could say. So I always had this take of like, when we see Tom Brady at a, at a, on a sideline yelling at his team, he's not doing it because he hates them. He does it because he wants them to be better. He wants them to play at a level he wants to. He doesn't make it personal. And with that fight, I think it got extremely personal between right. Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones without being in there with my ears listening to the conversation. And I just think it comes to like an effort standpoint. I think Courtney Ramey was just like, we need you to try harder on defense. We need to try harder. And then you see Andrew Jones, like grabbing at a side, which is like the total, like if you're in the gym playing pickup ball and you're not playing well, you like grab a muscle. No, calf's not feeling good today. Yeah. So, but when it comes to Texas, this is a team that I think if they have a poor night, poor shooting night, they're going to lose. And which is so strange about this Texas, Kansas game, they shot 37% from the field, 19% from three, but the thing that they did that they didn't do against West Virginia is they went to the free throw line. They taught, mm-hmm. they shot 10 free throws against West Virginia. They thought they, they went to the line 31 times, right. 24. So that is the recipe that Texas needs to follow. Cause like, if they are not shooting well, they need to go to the free throw line. And like, honestly, if you look at these stats, they should not have won. But I think that goes to a lot of hard defense and a lot of just like will to win and, Kansas is a team that we thought we were just going to pencil that like, yep, they're back. Kansas is back. And they missed some critical, like crucial moments. Jalen Wilson missed a layup at like the most opportune time. And a turnover late in the game too. Yeah. Yeah. And they did not shoot well from the free throw line. So, you know, this is a game where when I start counting Texas out, they just pulled me back in. This was, you know, we forget they were the number five team in the country at one point. Right. And then they just hit COVID and then issues and issues. And then this was a game where it was like, no, even when we're not playing great, we can still win. So I really don't know what to think of Texas. They're a team I'm not too high on, but they do stuff like this, and I have to believe again. It's it's so weird because they had a that, – so that game against um, against Kansas State, they shoot 50 – I think it was 50-50 from the floor. They went 50 from the floor, 50 from three, almost lost. The West Virginia game, they were 50 from the floor, 50 and, and 50 from three. They lost this game there. They shoot 38% from the floor and 19 from three and they win. And like you said, it's making the free throws because they've had some nights and they've had some nights, even when they go to the line where they're just awful. I mean, they'll go to the line and, and that's, that's been a huge problem. And that's why, you know, the, the foul at the end of the game against, against West Virginia probably doesn't matter because they probably don't make both free throws and tie the game. And so, and so to see them tonight or last night, rather, you know, go and win this game 77-72 and go 24 for 31 from the line just made you kind of feel, I mean, just you, you had to feel a bit better about Texas. The thing for Kansas, you know, and I, I spoke to Jesse Noel Casey Starr yesterday is they are what they are, right? If the game is in the upper 70s and the 80s, they're just not going to win. It's not where they live. They want to play, you know, 
low scoring games. They want to play defense and they, they kind of want to win games that way. And also their, their way they defend ball screens now is very complicated. Um, they switch on everything except for when David McCormick is there, which takes a lot of, I mean, just knowing where David McCormick is and knowing not to switch then is just takes, it's just incredible. They picked it up so fast, but this is kind of, this Texas team is like their kryptonite, right? Having three or four, having three guards in the perimeter and then having a guy like a Greg Brown and then having a Jericho Sims or a Kai Jones, you got to worry about all five positions. And it's hard to defend all five guys when you have a team like that. And that's why Texas was number five. And that's why I thought Texas earlier in the season could actually be a final four run because they, they don't have one guard. They don't have two guards. They have three guards. And we know how good guard play is in March. And that's why, I mean, I'm not, I'm not personally attached to Texas, but you see what this group can be. And that's why you want them to reach that potential because very rarely do you have a team that's got this much talent on the perimeter and also has really good interior play as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And there's a, they are a team with just some really awesome guards. Courtney Ramey has been falling out lately, yep. but another stat from that Kansas game, Andrew Jones had 10 rebounds. I th- right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if Courtney Ramey really wanted Andrew Jones to try more, I think he was indicative of that. But I, I kind of want to talk about Kansas for a second. I think you, you hit about Texas really, really great. This is a team that I think lives and dies by David McCormick because mm-hmm. in this last game, he is a player in March that he can wreck your game plan. If you're another team and you don't have a player that can guard him, he can wreck your game. But the Kansas Jayhawks rely on David McCormick not, not being like – not like not messing up because right. if he gets in foul trouble, it's it's over. over yeah, it's over. You cannot trust Mitch Lightfoot to play five <laughs> minutes against Texas. So Kansas is a team that I think has a great starting five, but just really, really poor depth. Mm-hmm. Like this is a team if they get in foul trouble, it's 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 bad. And uh, I David McCormick early in the year, he was one of my least favorite watches because I thought he was just robotic. I thought when it came to defense, he didn't really know where to go. Right. Uh, but now he's really proving himself in a league where there's not many great big men. He's like, I can just dominate here. Mm-hmm. And if he realizes that in the tournament, which I feel like most of the country is very perimeter oriented, he can really like dominate for Kansas, but he gets in his own ways a couple of times. Um, but Kansas, I, I like watching Kansas sometimes. But they, it's it's a tough team because if one person isn't on, I don't right. think they do well. Uh, and one one player I think is like a major key factor for them is Christian Brown. I really like his game. I really think if he if he can score over like twelve points, he that I I think they're gonna win because he has the ability to shoot the ball very well and also put it on the floor. Um, so Candace is a very intriguing team. Uh, let me look at the standings real quick. They're currently uh, tied for second. Do I think they're the second team in the conference? No, but I think they're a team in March uh, who can definitely give some teams some some trouble, especially Marcus Garrett being that X factor that can guard at right. your best player. Yeah, and he goes two for twelve last night, and and Marcus does not, not he does not need to be shooting twelve times a game either, right? It's just not his game. <clears throat> the key for Christian Brown is just being efficient. Like because I mean he is fun to watch when he's on. He's also a roller coaster to watch. And you make a great point about Dave McCormick. I really like the fact that against uh, against Texas Tech, you mentioned you know, they they kind of lack a true big man. They attacked that early. That was a key early for, for Kansas. They just fed the ball to, to to McCormick and let everything go from there. And 
it's a great point because you're seeing all over the like the league. Like Ohio State's a top five team in the country. They don't have a true big. You know, EJ Liddell is a big, but that's you know he he's kind of a, a um, away from the a guy you can play away from the basket and kind of work his way there. Like Hunter Dickinson exposed Ohio State. Yeah, because I, I mean Liddell having to guard him is just it, like it's it's hard. I mean, I actually commend him for trying and score and having such a good. He's yeah, and the, the tattoo guy for for I don't know his name. But oh, the white kid! I forget. Yeah, I forgot Mr. his name. Mister Weird Tattoos Everywhere. He, he had the the black the black wristbands too, which I thought yeah. was was a nice touch. <laughs> he he got work in the second half. I mean, the second half. Uh, I'm sure you yeah you watched that game. They were flying all over the place. Ohio State's defense was. I mean, there were like three guys at a time running the close out. There was nobody to box out. It was a complete disaster for them. Um, and that's one of the things like Dave McCormick can be that guy. He just has to, you know, he just has to, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be a challenge for him to win in March against really good teams. Also something else that, that you mentioned uh, w- with Kansas is just like Jalen Wilson, you know, all those guys, there's so much pressure on them because they have no depth. You know, it was, it, I thought Bryce Thompson and Harris gave them a lot of good effort against Texas tech, but it kind of, in the end of the day, you know, they don't have, they have nobody they can bring off the bench. And that's been a nobody. theme for KU teams. Like I think for a while now, their their bench is usually very short. Their starters usually play a ton of minutes, and they're not usually that deep. This team is especially not deep. Like Bryce Thompson, I know he's a five star, but he's coming off an injury, and it's really hard to just jump in the middle of the season and play. Right. And that's gonna that's something else that you know I, I like KU. I like the way they're playing, but if they make the second weekend, that's a I think it's an accomplishment considering what they have on this team. Like Jalen Wilson is playing center for them when McCormick is in foul right. trouble or needs rest. And he's a good rebounder. I mean, like he gets rebound numbers, but I mean, like here's the minute log for their starting five. Jalen Wilson, 41 minutes. Christian Brown, 39. Oshai Baji, 43. Marcus Garrett, 38. David McCormick, 24, because in foul trouble. And Bryce Thompson with 20. The rest were 15 or under. Like this is a team that lives and dies by their, their starting five. So even one blip of like, foul trouble or one blip of they're not having a good game. This this team is it, is not going to go far, but I do enjoy them. I think Bill Self mm-hmm. is obviously a great coach. Um, but yeah, I, I, if Christian Brown just like grew a little bit more balls and just like shot the right. ball more, right. and just like just took it to the, to the, I think he is a dynamic player that really hasn't shown his true, true potential yet. Last game of the night was West Virginia and TCU. And look, TCU, we discussed, well, could you know, could the Big 12 send eight teams a tournament? No, it's just not gonna be this TCU group. West Virginia, on the other hand, I I feel like out of all the teams of the Big 12, if there is a second final four team amongst them, that's West Virginia. Because they did the other day against Texas, they did not panic. In the 19-point game, they did not panic. They just kept playing that style of game. They knew that if, you know, at that speed, if it's, if it's paced, they can beat everybody. We saw it. And I, when I say everybody, I mean everybody. This season, one team played Gonzaga the best, played them close to non-conference. It was West Virginia. And West Virginia was winning that entire game. They can actually play that pace, <clears throat> excuse me, and compete. And because, you know, the fact they've got a great big in Derek Culver, I think Miles McBride is not getting enough attention for conference player of the year. And then Sherman or McNeil feels like one of those two guys is going to go off every single game. Like McNeil has just been the back-to-back games. Now he's had a second half heater. And then you look at the last night, Taz Sherman off the bench. Fantastic. To me, Robbie, this is this, if you, if we sit 
at the end of the season and say, well, there are two big 12 teams in the final four. It's Baylor and the other one's West Virginia. I, I totally agree with you. Wow. We are, we are on lockstep because really? when it comes to when it just like my watchability, if I were to pick like the teams I love watching in this mm-hmm. conference, Baylor's number one, because I just think what they do is beautiful. Number two is West Virginia. Yes. Uh, I, Miles McBride just has a little soft spot, soft spot in my heart. Cause mm-hmm. I think he's, just, he's such a gamer. Like he goes yes. out there, he plays great. Oh, yeah. defense. He's very clutch in the end. And I think they have the best big man in, in, in the league. And I am a very, if I were head coach and I was leading a basketball program, I would want a big man like Derek Culver. I, I truly love the big man. The big man is like a soft spot in my heart. So this league, I, I should hate this league because most of it is perimeter. Yes. Whatever. That's just where the game is going. Uh, but I, I mean, I really like this team and for them, they are the opposite of what Kansas has. Cause Taz Sherman coming off the bench is a great move. They've, you know, Sean McNeil is coming off the bench and they put him in the starting lineup. Uh, this is, this is a team that I think has the defense, they have the coach and they have a big man. And, uh, obviously TCU, I, I don't find much stock in them. We, we tried to trick ourselves eight teams. We got greedy to think that we could have eight yeah. conference in March. Uh, but I, I think they have some really, really great players that kind of get overlooked. Like we had this conversation on our show about a week ago, big 12 today. And we were picking our first team, all big 12 and Holly and Gabe, the host of the show were, were saying, Oh, Mac McClung should be on it. And miles McBride or Deuce McBride not being on there ahead of him is, 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 a, it's a farce. Crime. It's a crime. <laughs> if, if he Deuce, made, yeah. Deuce McBride, uh, can do more defensively. I think he can distribute the ball much, much better than them. And I feel like in a late game situation, I think they're, what seems crazy is because we've seen Mac McClung make so many late shots. I feel like I've also seen Deuce McBride do the same thing. So I hope he gets first team all big 12 because he's a great player, but yeah, West Virginia is when it comes to big 12 in March, they are the team I want to watch the most. Miles McBride is the best player on the second best team in the conference. Uh, And I, and look, I, I love Derek Culver. He is a, he's a special talent, but there is no question who should be shooting. Like, so when they ran that inbounds play against OU in the end, it was a good play and it was a good shot uh, that Culver had at the buzzer. That, that was standing. Like I, I, I bet you were feeling the same way as me. It's the, the ball's got to be in Deuce's hands at the end of the game. Yeah. It's just got to be in his hands that cause he's, he's like, he can close a show. And I think the offensive variety, like he's going to, he's going to be somebody that translates well to the next level. He's got an awesome shot fake. He is excellent using the shot fake. He's got a great pull-up jumper. He's got good speed against Texas Tech. You saw it in the game winner uh, in the first time they played. He can get to the rim when he wants to. And also, like you said, really good distributor. So I'm all, I'm all kinds of high on West Virginia uh, right now, and I'm glad you're with me on that. So when we – you and I follow this league very closely because yes. we work on it, and then also we, we just love the teams in this conference – if you were to, let, let's throw Baylor aside here. Okay. If you were to pick a team uh, that you feel like could have the best run and a team you could feel like would be a first game exit. Let's talk about the first game exit first. Okay. Before, before. What team do you feel like would be the first team exit for you? This is okay. So a lot of it's going to be matchup dependent, obviously, but right now, first game exit, I'm feeling it's Texas tech. Which is really odd because after the first West Virginia game, they, they, we do a show here, Locked On, Locked On Today, where um, you know it's P 
Peter Bukowski hosted and he had me on afterwards and say, who do you feel stronger about? I actually said, West, I said, Texas tech. I said, I like the pieces that they have moving forward. Last year, Robbie, we had that, remember that Texas, Texas tech game that got canceled. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was, that was a monumental game. Like our, 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 the conference as we know it right now is totally different. If that game gets played, um, if that tournament happened, the big 12 tournament happens because that game could decide who gotten in, could decide that Shaka Smart's still at Texas, could decide a whole bunch of things. But to me, the problem I have is that for Chris Beard, last two years, his teams haven't fully come together. Like that Texas Tech team last year, horrifying uh, as they might have been to play in the tournament because they had so many great pieces, never really put it all together on a consistent basis. This year's team is the same thing. Like I like the idea of Texas Tech earlier in the season. I really did. They have not manifested themselves. So under the right circumstances, I'm going with, I think, Texas Tech. They, right now, you know, they feel like a team to me that, that's first-round exit. What about you? Uh, I agree with you in that aspect. I feel like if you don't have a big man, you don't deserve to go deep in this tournament. Uh, I, and Texas Tech is a team that I love their coach. They have a player in March that could really win them some games in Mac McClung, and I feel like he's shown it. Do I think he's he's a dominating player? No, but I feel like in a late game stretch, if you give him the ball, shots are just going to go win. We've yeah. seen him. He makes contested shots. So I, I like that. Texas is a team is boomer bust for me. I still, they have Jericho Sims. He is a big man, but if they do not shoot well and they do not get to the rim, it, it's over. Like yeah. they are a team very reliant on their perimeter play. And I, that that's strange to me. And then, uh, I might go hot take here, but are you doing Oklahoma? I am going Oklahoma. They're oh a team goodness. that I've really enjoyed this season. I've really enjoyed watching them because I think they play well. But uh, a player that that we love and in, in this conference because he's such a goofy person and just a, a bright <laughs> figure is Brady Manic. Right. And if he's not shooting well or if he is not playing up the defense, he is he's not a reliable big man if he doesn't play well. So that right. they, they have the players like Austin Reeves and Elijah Harkless that can win them games. But man, when you look at this conference, there's just, I feel like I'm talking myself and these teams going out. All right. So uh, let me, let me, let me ask you something about, about Oklahoma. Cause this is really interesting. I think they're super interesting. So they're, they, they have COVID issues earlier in the season. And what happens for them is Reeves is out for a while, but Harkless Gibson and Harmon are all playing at that point. I think Dave, I'm not sure if he was, I forgot if he was out or not, but that, uh, that Alabama game when they were shorthanded, the fact that they've got four guards, you know, in that game, because it was all Harkless and Gibson, the fact that they now have four guards I trust, like Elijah Harkless took one of the worst game ending shots I've ever seen. I mean, that shot where he was in the lane and pivoted about six times and then took a turn around, it was like, what the hell are we doing? He made it. He made it. And I think Lonnie mentioned after the game it was not a really good looking shot, but it went in. So we've got, you know, they now have four guards on their team that I trust. I trust Reeves. I trust Harmon. I trust uh, Emoji Gibson. And for some reason now I trust Elijah Harkless scoring at the end of a game because he's done it. You know, it, it's hard to say I don't trust a guy with the ball at the end of a game to beat a top 10 team you know, in the end. So I think here's what I feel because I'm kind of with you on, on part of it is whoever they play, the game is probably going to be close. Like Oklahoma is not blowing past teams. That's not really who they are. And if you play close games, you're probably going to play with fire. The problem is, 
is that they, they've got a bunch of close wins against really good teams this year, right? They got a close win against Kansas. They have a close win um, against uh, uh, Texas. They've got a close win against Alabama. They've got a close win against West Virginia. Now you could go one way and say, well, all those games are close. So, you know, they can easily lose, or you could say they won all of them. And I don't know which one it is. That's the problem. Yeah. They, what I trust about this team too, is when I watch them, they, their offense is just like they have great plays drawn up for them. And when a factor that I need to consider more when it comes to March, it's like we need to put coaches into this type of perspective yeah. when it's like this league has so many great coaches. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Oklahoma, Lon Kruger can really run some things. And he is what he is exceptional at is picking out a mismatch and just attacking it relentlessly. Over and over and over. And he over will and run over the same play over and over <laughs> again until it consistently stops working yeah uh, and i mean that's a smart coach and when you look at this bob huggins bill self lon kruger even shaka smart chris beard uh scott true these are coaches with so much experience and that is something that i look forward to like like we praise michigan very much and they are extremely talented and i think juan howard is going to be a great coach moving forward he does not have march experience <laughs> like, right right like what what is he going to look like against a team that just has more basketball in their brain? Right. Mm-hmm. And like obviously Juwan Howard has played basketball and has seen it for a right. very long time. But when it comes to that March and that atmosphere, like there's a lot of coaches in this league who have been there and have visualized these things and thought about it for their life. over well, and over. They've over. won and they've lost. Right. I, I think, yeah. I think the, I think the winning and the losing is important. Um, right. And right. I bet you all of those coaches could tell you about their March failures more so than their March wins, right? I think Shaka Smart is somebody that I would – he is the picture of that. Like, I guarantee you that at VCU, them blowing that lead to Stephen F. Austin is it, – it still probably haunts him to this day. And so I think you're right with that. Like, I, I think – and even so, – you know, that even hurts a guy like Mike Boynton because that could hurt his team. You know, obviously he hasn't been there. I, I'm, I actually don't think he's made the tournament there. Um, yeah, I don't think they've made the tournament since Marcus Smart. I don't think they have either. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting because because they, they do have that experience. I, one more, one more thing, Robbie, before we get we get out of here, coach of the year in the conference. For you know, this is kind of one of those uh, how you see things, right? It's the are you the relative to expectations type guy? You know, if, if you're talking about team performance relative to expectations, is that how you view it, or are you just outright performance? Because to me, Scott Drew, like the expectations were they were going to win the conference. And they've gone out and done it in dominant fashion. So for me, I, I just, I can't go against Scott Drew. How do you feel about it this year? I think there should be a law. There's two laws I, I wish that were in, like in, implemented in college sports. If you go undefeated, you should win coach of the year. Yeah. Just un, That is just a law. You should get a hundred million dollar raise. No, I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> you should, like if you go undefeated, you should win. And the opposite, if you go all defeated, you should lose. So Steve Prom, you need to go less miles. You should have been gone years ago, but like that is a law. I think if you lose every game, you should, you should go on. But like, yeah, if you win every game, I, especially like we're talking about how amazing this conference is and right. for us to talk about like, ah, maybe Lon Kruger can do it because of the expectation. It's just like, what are we doing? Like right. we know how good this conference is. Yes. Like Baylor has the talent, but they also need to be coached to live up to that talent. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think it's a no, no brainer. It's Scott Drew, but like there's some great stories in this league. Lon Kruger has done a great job with this team. That's kind of hodgepodge players. Shaka smart has done better than expectation. Uh, 
And like, even like we, we assume that Bill Self and Bob Huggins, like, yeah, okay. They're great. They've been great. Like Bill yeah. Self has taken, I think one of the worst teams he's had and has somehow put mm-hmm. them in the second place in the conference. Like that is something that is amazing. But yeah, Scott Drew will take it. Yeah. All right, Robbie, where can people find you on, uh, you have, you have a good Twitter account. So uh, please plug your Twitter and, and other work you have. Yep. So follow me on Twitter at the Triano kid. I just tweet a bunch of big 12 stuff and uh, Michigan state Detroit piss and mumble gumble, but you can find our show on Sirius XM. Get your subscription now channel 375 big 12 today with Holly Rowe and Gabe Eichard. We have some great guests. If you love this conference, after you're done listening to this show, keep listening to this show, but then also listen to us to get that extra dosage. So Big 12 today on Sirius XM. But Josh, uh, this is awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robbie. I appreciate your time, man. Yeah. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. Follow me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, please stay safe. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.